Hey, and welcome to the Stories Unveiled podcast, where we talk about the purpose in every story and how to live in freedom from your past. I am your host, Ashley Sears, and each episode you're invited into a conversation about real life between me and a friend. I believe if an issue is addressed in the Bible, then it's important to create a safe and supportive space to discuss it. While some of these conversations are not easy, I do believe they are worth it. If you like what you hear, please visit our ministry at storiesunveiledconference.com. Thank you for joining today. This episode is brought to you in part by Pure Desire Ministries. Lives and relationships are being destroyed by sexual brokenness, pornography, and betrayal trauma. Pure Desire believes you were designed to live a life without sexual brokenness and the effects it can have on your future. After working with men, women, and churches for over 20 years, Pure Desire has developed a comprehensive plan to breaking free, healing relationships, and getting your life back from sexual brokenness and betrayal trauma. Through recovery and healing groups, a clinical program, and partnerships, Pure Desire is helping the church effectively address unwanted sexual behaviors, betrayal trauma, and the impact of sexual brokenness. To join a group, start counseling, or get more information, go to puredesire.org. You can take your life back from sexual brokenness and betrayal trauma. Start your journey of healing today. You are listening to Season 2, Episode 19 of the Stories Unveiled podcast. In this episode, my friend Allison Hawashi Temple joined me in the studio for a conversation about finding love again after betrayal and divorce. Allison gets real about rebuilding after divorce, finding herself again, and learning to trust. Allison is passionate about being authentic after spending many years protecting the image of her first marriage and fulfilling the role of what she thought a godly woman was, she found freedom in shedding the veil of shame and allowing God to use the messiest parts of her story. Allison is an amazing young woman who loves Jesus, pursues truth, and wants to use her story to help other women. Some of the content in this episode is mature and sensitive ears are advised. I hope you enjoy this episode. Oh, welcome, Allison. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're just going to jump in and I am going to start with kind of a broad question, but let's talk for a minute about what life was like for you before you got married. Yeah, so I was in my early 20s. I had recently gone back to church mm-hmm. um, after being kind of hurt in church um, in my teen years and kind of just what my family was going through. Um, so I had kind of rededicated my life to Christ and and was trying to foster that relationship again after actively walking away from it for about five years. Wow. Um, so I was pretty new in regards to my faith in that way. Um, I was new to the church I was attending, new mm-hmm. to um, getting back into volunteer work um, where I was volunteering with the youth. Yeah. Um, dating wise, I I kind of jumped from relationship to relationship. Um, and that was kind of a theme when I was a teen as well, I was placing a lot of validation um, into these other people. Okay. Um, to help with my self-esteem and, and to find value and worth. And so I was trying to change um, how I approached relationships with that. Okay. So, um, so you married young, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was 22 when I got married okay. <laughs> as a baby. Yeah. Um, I guess I was 22, I think, when I got married too. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Young. We were young. Um, but talk to me a little bit about that. Like, as far as, cause you said you were coming back in, you would come back into kind of the Christian mm-hmm. church and going to church. And so 
you took steps to kind of do things right. Is that correct? Like in entering into a relationship with your husband and then ultimately getting married. Like when I say do all things right, like doing things that you're called to do, like as a believer and in the dating situation, like you went to church, you served together, those sorts of things. Yes. Yeah. So like I said, I I started volunteering back at the church um, in the youth group. And that's Mm -hmm. how I met my, my ex. Um, We met at a leaders retreat and just right away he, he came on pretty strong. Mm -hmm. Um, Like within the first 24 hours of knowing him, he said that he was going to marry me someday. And it was, it was a lot. Yeah. And I initially like kind of just pushed it aside. I thought he was just joking. I just, you know, thought, he was just young and immature because he was about two and a half years younger than me. Okay. Um, and so I didn't take all of that super seriously. And I was just, like I said, really focused on, on real building my, my walk with Christ. Um, but, you know, as we continued to see each other at church, we had these really vulnerable moments, you know, that happens when you are praying together or sharing oh, yeah. your lives together. Um, and that actually kind of bonded him to me in a way I don't think would have happened if we had met in other circumstances because I wouldn't have been talking about how I felt broken in in different places. Yeah. Um, But yeah, he pursued me for about six months um, before I agreed to to go on a date with him. (laughs) Um, But I mean, mean, in retrospect, I thought I was doing all the right things, Mm -hmm. but there were definitely some some red flags that I had missed. Mm. Um, So, I mean, it was excessive like compliments and flattery and like the dates were just over the top. Wow. And in that time, like it felt really great. It felt like a fairy tale. Um, but you know, like that was actually a, a red flag was that it was, it was too perfect. Yeah. Um, there wasn't that authentic connection there. It was very much like, let's give, you know, these really big gifts of like random flowers or dates that are like super planned out and coordinated and last for multiple hours and, and things like that. So, um, you know, we did a lot of things with the church too, um, trying to loop in like the youth pastor and his wife, um, mm-hmm. just because I, I wanted to do the right thing, but I was pretty naive and missing a lot of red flags. Yeah. I don't know that I would have caught any of those either. Cause I'm sure, especially at 22, um, and I think, you know, I had a similar story in the sense of, um, my dating life and seeking validation from guys or boys when I was younger, you know, and young men as I got older and gosh, the, the flattery, at least for me went a long way. And I don't know that I would have, you know, seen any of seen those as red flags either. So, um, tell me a little bit about your marriage. Like you ultimately ended up getting married, getting married (laughs) and, some stuff kind of went awry. There was there was some stuff that came out. Tell me about that, how long it took and just kind of at what point did you realize something's not quite right? Yeah, so um, we moved a few months after getting married. Um, okay. We met in Boise, Idaho, got married to Boise, Idaho, and that's where our community was for both of us. We'd grown up here. Um, but we ended up moving to Washington a couple months after getting married. And so we then had to start over with community. So we Mm -hmm. just had each other. Um, And that was, that was really hard. And that kind of showed some cracks that we had in our relationship um, and how authentic we were being with each other and how vulnerable we were being with each other. Um, I remember maybe about a year or so into marriage, kind of like stepping back and looking at him and just being like, 
you treat me really well in these ways, right? Like you give me presents, you, you know, tell me I'm the best thing that's ever happened to you. You say that you want to love me and protect me. And, but at the same time, there's these other actions that are happening that are, that are really hurtful Mm. where it feels like you are just putting on a front and you're coming up with these really big stories to get admiration, but it doesn't feel real. And so my brain was having a hard time like looking at the disparity between that and making sense of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we still, right, like tried to get plugged into a church um, where we moved in Washington, also again started volunteering with Young Life. So mm-hmm. it was a lot of like the same actions we had done in Boise, but this time like the cracks that were there where we're starting to show some more. Okay. So talk to me about um, you ultimately moved back to Boise. Is that correct? Yes. Um, after Washington. And there was there was a shift. There was kind of a catalyst um, in moving forward with some of the devolving, I guess I should say, of mm-hmm. your marriage. I think one night in particular involved one of your best friends. Um, talk to me about when you knew something was wrong or when you knew something was off and you, you, you needed some insight on that and just kind of what, what happened? Like where, where did the breakdown happen? Yeah. I'm even going to take one step a little bit farther back. Absolutely. Um, so in, in Washington, um, I ended up working quite a few hours and so I was working, you know, like 60 to eight hours a week. I went one out of like three months without taking a day off. Wow. And so I kind of attributed a lot of the stress that was happening in the marriage and kind of just the wear and tear that I was feeling and the insecurity, um, attributing that to how much I was working and the fact that I was putting so much effort and time and choosing work over other things in my life. Okay. Um, but then I... I remember kind of a point where we decided to move from Washington to Boise was because I came home earlier than I originally had communicated I would. And when I walked in the door, um, I realized that that he was masturbating to porn. Mm. And that just really went against everything that him and I had talked about in the marriage um, in terms of like character and our values um, because he very much had talked about how he was against porn and its connection with human trafficking and he had been talking about how you like want to take a stand against that and he said he was like actively doing things um to prevent that yeah you guys had had talked about like anti-human trafficking things together like right and being passionate about those things yeah yeah we saw a speaker at, at a church service um who had been running an organization in relation to anti-human trafficking and that for me was really inspiring. And so, um, like I thought we were on the same page in terms of just wanting to help women. Mm -hmm. Um, and in terms of like understanding the ramifications that the porn industry has. Right. Um, and so for me, that was a betrayal, not just because he was watching porn, but that was betrayal of like, well, I thought I knew you and I thought I knew your character. Mm -hmm. Um, And there were some other things as well. Like I just at that point felt so unloved Mm -hmm. um, because I was already kind of getting some pressure um, about how I looked physically, right? Mm -hmm. There was comments about my body. Um, There was, you know, comments about like how I'm skinny fat and I need to work out more. Or there was 
you know, encouragement for me to, you know, go get a boob job and just little things like that, that didn't seem so little when you look at him and add up. I just felt like I wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. And so then when he was going to porn, I just kind of like reinforced that idea that I, that I was not enough. Right. Um, so after that happened, I really kind of looked at my marriage and I was like, I don't know what happened, right? Mm -hmm. That, that young woman of 22 who got married, um, I felt like she was lost because yeah. she was so hopeful and she was so excited and she really thought she had found someone to, to pursue a life that God had called both of us into. Mm -hmm. And with that, it felt like I was kind of off on a different trail than he was. And so, um, we talked about moving back to Boise and kind of re-engaging with the church we had met at and re-engaging with our friends and family locally in Boise. And we thought that would be a good spot to kind of reset our marriage. Mm -hmm. um, however, um, there were still things that were happening that my gut felt like were off and I couldn't quite place what was happening. Okay. Um, it was things like him leaving in the middle of the night with excuses. It was things like him hiding his phone. Like if I walked in the room, the phone was always put face down. Um, and so when I talked to him about that and I'd, I'd bring things up like, hey, like you were watching porn, like, but I feel like there might be something else happening. Like, are you having an affair? And he just, you know, my ex just flat out looked me in the face and he's like, no, I couldn't do that to you. Like there are tears in his eyes. He's like, I love you too much to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me looking back, that was the first time that the gaslighting was, was really strong mm -hmm. um, because I have fast forward talked to an affair partner um, and she collaborated the timeline of when they started their relationship. And it was around the time we talked about moving back to Boise mm -hmm. um, to repair our marriage. So... So he was having, he was having an affair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, it, it's really hard because he's never come to me and been like, I'm sorry, this is the timeline kind of like, this is the disclosure of, of what all has happened. So it's been me trying to piece things together. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, just based upon how he's feeling, I, I feel like the affair started before then. Yeah. Um, so that's been difficult, but to answer your question that you first posed. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> um, yeah, so when we did move back to Boise, um, he kind of gave me an ultimatum of trust. You know, where like all of the stuff that happened in Washington, basically I had to ignore it and just trust that he was my husband and trust that he had my best interest. Otherwise, we were getting a divorce. Like that was, that was, wow. kind, yeah, that was just kind of it. Like there wasn't a chance to like repair what had happened it was just like it's my way or or we're done you need to accept and we move forward and we don't need to talk about it like it, it never happened exactly exactly okay. definitely just like shove it down pretend like it didn't happen mm -hmm. um and I was not at the point at all where I was even thinking about a divorce or wanting a divorce like at that okay. point I was still really confused and still not fully understanding what was happening in my marriage I felt confused and lost and just like sick all the time, but I didn't have the words to place what was happening yet. Yeah. Um, I just was trying to be a better wife. That yeah. was, that was kind of my solution. Um, and so we 
then, like, like I said, you know, got engaged back in that church again, started volunteering together again. And I felt like we had kind of turned a corner. We bought a house. We got a dog, you mm-hmm. know, typical white fence stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he joined a different branch in the military mm-hmm. and he then had to do a bunch of training. So he was gone for on and off for about a year and a half. Um and that actually was really beneficial for our marriage yeah. Um, because I kind of had this space um, away from just kind of that always feeling of not being enough. Yeah. You know, like I felt like the goalpost was constantly moving and I was always struggling to catch up. Mm. Um, and so having then that space to breathe and to... Like, find you. Find me. Yeah. Like I really dug deep into female friendships and into church and, you know, into my relationship with God. Yeah. Um, and so I was able to get to a much healthier mindset as well. Like with work, I wasn't working as many hours. I found something that was consistent and stable. Um, so that was actually really beneficial. Um, but then when he came back from training, um, you know, I, I could feel that slipping again. Mm-hmm. Like all of the progress that we had made, I could just, I could feel that slip out from me. And I felt like I was losing control again. And I felt like all of that progress that had been made was just like slowly just eating, being eaten away again. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there were, there were comments here and there about, you know, again, just not being enough. I didn't look like the way he wanted me to look. I didn't act like the way he wanted me to act. Um, he literally said to me at one point, like, if I tell you to jump, I don't want you to ask how high. I don't want you to ask when. I just want you to do it. Like, he just wanted complete obedience. Yeah. Because um, for him, that meant respect. Yeah. Um, he had a very, like, authoritarian definition mm-hmm. of of that. Of what a husband should be I guess yes yes Mm. yeah like you know Jesus gives us a ton of really great examples of of leadership Mm -hmm. and how that really is like a servant attitude um but for him leadership was very much like you do what I say when I say it without any questions asked Mm. that Um, doesn't make for a great marriage no (laughs) (laughs) no it did not but right like in my mind at the time um you know a lot of verses were being twisted against me. Right. You were being obedient. Yes. And serving your husband. Correct. And yes. Yes. The, the, sub, the word um, to be submissive, right? Yes. That's the, the term that often gets clouded, I think. Exactly. Exactly. And so I continued to lessen myself mm-hmm. in an effort to submit, yeah. thinking that me being a better wife could fix what was happening. Yeah. Um, I was wrong. But <laughs> fast forward, spoiler alert, didn't happen. <laughs> Did not happen. Um, yeah, so he, right before COVID like really became a thing and-, and Ramped the, up. Yes, yeah. and the world kind of, you know, shut down. Um, it was kind of like a rumbling in the background and a worry mm-hmm. and people didn't know how bad it was going to get or what the response is going to be yet. And so I remember my ex, um, he posed the question to me of like, Hey, we remember how we talked about like anti-human trafficking back when we were married earlier. And he's just like, actually I have a contact who works in a nonprofit and she lives in Colorado and she'll be driving through town to go back to Washington to visit her family for COVID because that's where she wants to be locked down. Mm-hmm. Um, would you be okay if she like visit and talk to us about if we could be good candidates to start something locally? And... 
my response to that was, well, how do you know her? How do you know so much about someone? And I've never really heard about them at all. Right. Um, and so I was just like kept asking questions and just something in my gut did not feel right. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it was a lot of like deflecting or, you know, just outright lying about how he knew her and the relationship. And again, it kind of came down to an ultimatum, right? Mm-hmm. Of like, I don't want you to ruin my dream because you're insecure. Mm. Um, and so it's just like, this is what we have to do. You either trust me and move forward or you don't. Exactly. And we're done. Exactly. Okay. Um, and so that's, again, kind of how I got manipulated into saying, yes, okay, she can come visit us um, as she's driving through to Washington. And um, the moment she she pulled up to our house to visit I just, I knew something was wrong. I knew it was much more than just a friendship. Mm-hmm. And it was much more than her just being here to talk about like anti-human trafficking movements and, and how she's involved. And so at that point, I I kind of both disassociated and like also tried to make a plan. I would like pivot back and forth between the two. Right. Well, what am I going to do? How am I going to move forward with this? But also I don't really want to think about it. Exactly. So I'm just going to pretend like it's not happening. Exactly. Yes. It was, it was really strange. I just, I had spent years not trusting my gut. I spent mm-hmm. years trying to make myself into what this other person wanted. And so I just was a shell of myself mm-hmm. and I didn't trust me to make a smart or wise decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't trust what my gut was saying yeah and so I I called my my best friend and I was just like hey super awkward (laughs) but um we have someone at my house and I think you know she's here to see my husband and and they're cheating together and can I just get another set of eyes on this like can you please come and tell me I'm either crazy or like validate what I'm feeling because I just I don't know well because how bold for your husband to invite the woman he's having an affair with insanely, to your ho- into your home. Insanely bold. I was just like, this feels like a movie. This uh-huh. doesn't feel like real life. Like lifetime or something. Yeah, like. exactly. <laughs> I'm like, this is just a really bad soap opera, uh-huh. like with the worst plot ever. Like this cannot be real. <laughs> and here I am, the star. Yes. <laughs> Never wanted that nope. role. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, so she came, she is amazing so she had a plan Mm -hmm. um where she pretty much just kind of like put on this persona of like I'm gonna be super friendly and bubbly and try to get you to open up to me and see like if I can get more information yeah um which she did it worked really well um unfortunately and there were multiple awkward spots where like my ex and his affair partner knew they had slipped. And so we're all just, all four of us just sitting there around the kitchen table, just staring at each other, just being like, is someone going to address this? Like, what is happening? And so your best friend was pretty much poking holes in any story that had been given. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Like for instance, um, his affair partner said that she was currently dating someone. And so my best friend was asking, well, can I see pictures? And how did you guys meet? And like, trying to get more of that story and I was kind of watching my ex during all this and seeing how he responded and um he obviously was showing signs of jealousy like he didn't like the story that she was with someone else Mm -hmm. and so that for me again was like a dead giveaway that that something wasn't how it appeared or how he's trying to make it appear right um 
ultimately she felt like I was physically safe and we both felt like we had gotten, you know, enough evidence to show that like it's it's all just a huge sham, right? For at least you to be able to confront. Correct. Right? Correct. Yes. And so she went back home um, and I went to bed and they had gone to bed. And um, at that point, I... I grabbed my ex's phone because I'm just like, you know what? Like, I just want hard evidence. Yeah. Like, I was so tired of the stories and the lies and the gaslighting. I just, I felt like I needed something concrete. And so I took his phone and I went and hid in the closet. And what I found there just, like, it enraged me. Like, I, I don't know how to describe it yeah. other than I, I literally saw the color red. Yeah. I was so infuriated um, because like on Snapchat, there were conversations with so many different women I'd never heard of. Numerous, yeah. Yeah, that went back for a very long time. Mm -hmm. um, I saw text messages about how he talked about me behind my back. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, I saw a long distance like vibrator app. And I, there were just so many things that pointed to that he was not just having one affair, but, you know. Multiple. Multiple. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, um, I lost it, right? Yeah. Like I, I spent so many years trying to be what he wanted to me to be mm -hmm. in an effort to save the marriage. And I realized like it didn't matter. Yeah. Like none of, none of that mattered. Um, he went off and, you know, was, was spending time with these other people and I was never going to be enough mm -hmm. and just feeling so powerless and so jaded for being lied to yeah it was really really tough you know like I remember I took wedding photos off the wall and I like broke those on the ground because that's just really how I felt that was like a physical action of what I felt like was going on inside yeah like it felt like my marriage had completely just exploded beyond repair yeah because uh, like again through all of this he was not giving any indication at all that he had done any of this right he just made it seem like I was being insecure mm -hmm. and again, invalidating like everything that I was feeling, even though that was true. Yeah. Um, and so I, I ended up having his affair partner leave the house. Um, he left the house eventually. Um, my best friend and her husband came over um, again to kind of watch and make sure everyone was safe and mm -hmm. nothing escalated beyond what was already <laughs> Right, already what had escalated because yes. you did ultimately um, confront, right? And yes. Ultimately brought it to light that you knew. Yes, yes. You know, like I, again, like told him I knew what was happening mm -hmm. and I I had found like her journal where she had written like a pros cons list about staying with him. Like, and I was mm -hmm. reading that to him. Like I was like trying to be like, you cannot deny that this is real anymore. Yeah. Um, and he still was. Right. He still mm -hmm. was following me around being like, I don't know why you're so upset. I don't understand what's happening. And of course, that just made me even angrier. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was I mean, that night was kind of the last night that we saw each other in person without anyone else being present who could kind of monitor the situation, whether that was my best friend or her husband mm -hmm. or police who were unfortunately called multiple times um, to kind of make sure everything was okay yeah. as we were going through the separation divorce process. Yeah. So, so ultimately you, you ended up kind of going on a journey, obviously it's a much longer story and there's so many 
facets to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you did ultimately separate and divorce. Yeah. And I don't imagine that was a clean process either, just no. with his track record and personality and, and all of those things. But ultimately you did kind of get through that. Um, talk to me about um, your journey with Jesus after this, because I'm, I'm assuming you ended up having to kind of go on your own journey mm-hmm. post this marriage, right? You're single again now, still young. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and ultimately, I'm sure your desire is to have a family, to be married and to have a family. And now, like you said, you threw your you threw those pictures on the ground and it felt like your marriage was exploded and you're like, now what, you know? And so you had to ask where God was in this or find out, you know, like go on a pursuit of who's Allison, who is she now and healing and recovery um, from trauma on your side. But then um, tell me about, you know, did you walk away from God or did you deep dive into, you know, who he is and what he says about you? Yeah. Yeah. So initially after, you know, that night happened where I, I kicked my ex and his affair partner out of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, I then just spent a couple of nights there kind of like regrouping. And then I eventually moved into my best friend's house yeah. um, because I didn't feel safe. Yeah. And so immediate separation was great. Um, and then through that, I just kind of worked on my relationship with God. Like initially I was angry. Yeah. I was so, so angry. Mm-hmm. Um, that my, like in a matter of, you know, it felt like a week, it had been building up for years, but to me it felt like in a matter of a week, my life where I thought stable job, you know, stable marriage, a house, a dog, like, like all of that was just gone. Mm-hmm. Um, my life was out of moving boxes mm-hmm. and I was staying, you know, in someone's guest room. Mm-hmm. And I I couldn't talk to God for about a month. I yeah. asked other people to pray for me. I asked other people to pray for my ex, but I just was not ready to do that. Yeah. Um, and it was about a month after separation, um, he had filed for divorce. We were moving forward with that process. And I just remember like late at night, I slid off, you know, my bed and I just knelt on the carpet next to it. And I just remember holding my hands over my chest for a very long time, just kind of wavering between like, do I want to continue to try to try to control this? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, like me thinking I was doing the right things didn't get me to a really great spot. Like I didn't feel good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, different story but like I tried to control things in my past last time I was hurt so I could see myself really slipping into that desire again Mm -hmm. um or I could trust God with the process and I knew that if I leaned into the healing that it was going to be really painful because that meant I'd have to confront all of the things that happened in my marriage I'd have to confront you know the abuse Mm -hmm. and at that point I realized there was an array of abuse right Mm -hmm. there was emotional abuse financial abuse sexual abuse like it just it ran the gamut Mm -hmm. um and I knew that was really really gonna hurt and my other option was to just stuff it all down and continue forward with as if life was okay and I didn't want to stuff anymore yeah and so I begged God that like if I do this your way to please use my story Hmm. and to please use what I've gone through. Like, do not let this all be in vain. And so, yeah, that's, that's the path I ultimately chose. Um, I really quickly had gotten into counseling. Um, Thankfully, 
someone um, knew a little bit of my background. I knew a little bit of her background. I'd reached out to her and just been like, hey, like, this is what happened to me. I feel like it's similar to your story. Mm -hmm. Can you help me? And she very lovingly got me in contact with a leader from Betrayal and Beyond, Mm -hmm. which is a part of Pure Desire. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, And so I was able to start, you know, that group, which lasted about 18 months Mm -hmm. of just kind of healing, um, you know, through that, through that betrayal and having a deeper understanding of what my ex was going through and then what I was going through and how both of us kind of how our stories, you know, got to the point it did where yeah. <laughs> we we were separating like we were. Um, and it was also hard because I, like I said, I, I never got an apology for my ex. Yeah, I never got anything to show that he was going to take any accountability or or have a change. Yeah. Um, so I was really just kind of given the, the one option yeah. um, for, for moving forward. And that was without him. So, yeah, um, yeah it was... It was really, really difficult because there was just, I felt like every single time I would like give a piece of my story over to God, it just showed another layer of deeper hurt. Yeah. Um, my brain throughout the marriage in an effort to protect itself had really disassociated. And mm-hmm. so there were some memories that had just been locked down super hard. And so then to have those reopened again was kind of like living through it again. Yeah. Um, and so it was this constant, reliance on on God to help get me through. Absolutely. So there's a lot of rebuilding that had to happen in your life after this, not only in your faith, but in your relationships as well. And learning to trust, again, I would say maybe primarily men and what that looks like moving forward. Um, Tell me about what God has done and what he is doing in regards to dating, marriage, life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So part of the growth process for me was I realized that I had created an idol out of my marriage. Mm. Um, I had put the idea of a Christian wife like up on a pedestal as if that was like the holiest. The end all be all. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, And so for me, I really had to break that down and to understand that like, regardless of what happens in my future, like, my story is going to be good Mm -hmm. because God is going to use it, you know, and whether or not I was going to get married again or or not, Mm -hmm. like I just, I knew that God was good, but it took a while for me to get to that point where I could hold marriage loosely because that was something I desperately wanted. Mm -hmm. I desperately wanted a husband and to have, you know, kids and, just have that that life that I kind of envisioned for myself the first round when I when I got married. <laughs> right. Um and so that was that was the main part in the beginning was to like make marriage not an idol. And then it was yes, like learning how to not trust just men, right. but also trust myself that I could see the red flags mm-hmm. or be able to pick someone who I thought was going to be a good fit for me. Yeah. Right. Like, again, not that me doing the right things was going to create a certain outcome. No. But you can still make right decisions. Absolutely. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, you can still make decisions that are that are healthy and mm-hmm. that are going to lead you towards hopefully a goal. And something I had to learn through all of this is that, like, my ex had free will. Yeah. And so even though I was on my side doing what I thought was the best thing. Like he still had free will in his side. Um, and that allowed him to make not great choices, you yeah. know, that allowed him to continue in some really sinful and, and painful decisions. Mm-hmm. 
And I knew that getting into marriage again, I would be in that position again, right? Where it's not just me and God in the marriage, it's me, God, and my husband. And And his free will. Yes, and his free will. (laughs) And trusting that at the end of the day, like even if I think I'm making the right decisions and something happens, you know, that God still has me and he's still in control. And ultimately like he's still good. Mm -hmm. And even though, you know, even though like we may hurt each other, like God still loves both of us so very much. Yeah. Um, And so that, that was hard. I also had to like kind of break down like why I thought I wanted certain attributes than a man and kind of reevaluate of like, okay, is that actually something you want or Mm -hmm. is that something you think you want Mm -hmm. and kind of look at like, what are my top priorities, right? Like I want someone who's following after God, Mm -hmm. like truly following and in submission to God. And they're not just paying it lip service, but, but that's speaking in their actions as well. Right. Um, You know, I, I looked for, someone who had a growth mindset mm-hmm. and someone who was kind. Um, like those were kind of my top things I was looking for and all the other things of like similar lifestyles in terms of like eating habits or like hobbies. Those are all bonuses. Yeah. But they they were not the most important things by far. Yeah. Okay. So can I ask, did you find that? <laughs> <laughs> I did. <laughs> so I got married a couple months ago in May. Yeah. Um, to just a really amazing man. Yeah. And I'm going to start crying. That's but, okay. um <laughs> he has just been so kind and so patient mm. um, this entire process with me because while I, I did do a lot of healing, um, there's obviously still things that are there to painful mm-hmm. and things that, you know, come up when you're in a relationship with, with someone. Yeah. And I was really scared of of showing someone my story and then being like, this is too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and he obviously was done like slowly. It wasn't just kind of like dumping everything on him all right. at once. Right. <laughs> but he, he just kind of handled everything that happened to me so gracefully mm. um, because he cared about where I was now and he cared about my heart and how I was growing and how I was leaning into Christ. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, thankfully he had a lot of empathy because, unf- I mean, unfortunately he had also, um, been betrayed and hurt mm. as well. Mm-hmm. So when we spoke to each other, there was a certain level of understanding because of, of similar experiences. Right. Um, and it's, he's just handled like so many things, right? Because I, I listed off all the different ways I'd, I'd been abused. And so yeah. then as our relationship progressed, we had to address those different things, you know, especially in us getting married um, mm-hmm. with regards to like, you know, the sexual abuse and things like that. Yeah. He's just been so in- incredibly patient. So that's amazing. It's been wonderful. <laughs> well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna reference it because it's something you wanted to make a point that people knew um, about this, that, um, you would, you already referenced it, but you didn't earn any, you didn't do anything to earn this marriage that your choices that you made, um, wasn't, you know, God wasn't basing what he was going to give you on the choice that you make, but that who is the true healer and redeemer of love and that it's God, yeah. but that it's not your husband, right? That, 
you are so blessed to be able to have a husband and you were able to get remarried and find just an amazing person who understands you and is patient with you and loves you and is honest and Mm -hmm. all of these things. Um, That came from God. It was because of him, not who your husband is. Yeah. I don't know if I'm explaining that well, but um, I think the exact words you used were the redeeming love is God's and the healing has been beautiful, but your husband is not the healer. Yeah. Goddess. Yeah, absolutely. And that is something that we talk about with each other actually pretty frequently um, yeah. because he, like me, is is kind of healing from some yeah. things that happened in his past. And even though our relationship is a safe place for us to heal, mm-hmm. we know ultimately that like God is our redeemer, mm-hmm. right? Like, and, you know, if we had never found each other, like that doesn't make what's happened like any less beautiful. Right. Um, it's just, it's, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like in my past, I really wanted A, B, C to happen so then I could get to Z. Yeah. Um, and this time I know that, right, there's nothing I can do mm-hmm. t- to make certain certain things happen. Um, and it's really just trusting God through the process of that. Yeah. Um, that's kind of been the biggest thing that I've learned. That's awesome. Well, I kind of have a two-part last question for you. Um, So I'll kind of ask the first question first. Um, What encouragement would you give to the listener who finds themselves in a relationship situation similar to your first marriage? Yeah. um, I mean, I'd say my heart goes out to you. Mm -hmm. Um, That feeling of, of not being enough, that feeling of maybe being confused or, or hurt or, um, you know, just kind of that idea of like the goalpost was always moving. That's kind of how it felt like to me. Yeah. Um, I just want to say that like Jesus loves you mm-hmm. and I know marriage is, is really talked about and kind of, you know, put almost on a pedestal in the church itself. Yeah. Um, but Jesus' love for you as a person goes so much deeper than whether or not you are married. Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, like God's heart breaks over sin. Yeah. And so if someone is actively choosing that sin over and over without any attempt to change or any desire to change, like you are, are so much more important than, than just, you know, being married. Mm-hmm. Now, the second part of the question, because you referenced this, that um, some of your some of your kind of old ways and situations was in an effort to find control for the sake of security. And um, so for the person struggling in that who consistently feels like they need to control situations to feel confident or secure or okay, what would you say to them? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, ultimately, like, you can do all of the right things, but life is still going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's having that that trust and relationship with God that, that'll get you through that life. Mm-hmm. Um, because <laughs> again, like he loves you. Mm-hmm. He loves you so much and you're so valuable. And while like doing the right thing is not going to protect you from bad stuff happening, right? Um, you can still find peace in the middle of the storm, mm-hmm. right? Like some of the times I felt closest to God was when I felt the most broken. Yeah. Um, because I, I truly believe that like 
God's heart is for his people. Yeah. And the beautiful thing is that he's going to meet you wherever you are. Yeah. Um, he doesn't look for the people who are perfect. Mm -hmm. um, and there's so many examples of that throughout the Bible where he uses people who felt inadequate or felt like they had done something in their past and he completely, you know, re redeems their story. Yeah. Um, and so kind of allowing yourself to be authentic and allowing yourself to trust that at the end of the day, it's, it's going to be okay, even if it didn't go how you expected it to. Yeah. And to be able to just relinquish yes. that control. Yes. Um, because it's actually pretty freeing, I think. Incredibly <laughs> freeing. And I'm not perfect at this by any means. Like there are different times when like I will get scared and I will grasp for that control. But yeah, I am doing so much better than I have been because I, I, I trust that like, I just trust that God has my best interest at heart. Mm -hmm. And that is a really, really freeing feeling. Yeah, well, and like for you even a little bit off topic, but you've done so much like healing and self-work and walking with the Lord on your own post first marriage prior to second marriage mm -hmm. that like you, you can confidently say like I was here and like I feel good and I feel confident in who God is. And, you know, you even referenced um, the closest you felt to God was when you were the most broken because I feel like maybe when we're the most broken, there, there is no choice to control because you've completely lost control. Like when you're the most broken, it's the only way to, the only way to try and kind of overcome and pull through is to look up and to rely on God because what other option do you have? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like everything was spiraling out of control. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. All right, God, I really have, I can't do anything. Yes. <laughs> this is all you. Yes. I felt like I was like, barely hanging on like yeah. it just and so God really just was was that lifeline and, and constant and um you know that that source of, of peace yeah so. Allison thank you so much for joining me today and having this conversation I appreciate you yeah thank you so much for having me absolutely Thank you so much for joining us for today's conversation on the stories unveiled podcast we would love it if you would leave us a rating or review. If you would like to learn more about Stories Unveiled and our events, go to storiesunveiledconference.com or follow us on Facebook or Instagram at storiesunveiled underscore. The Stories Unveiled podcast is created in partnership with KTSY and Barefoot Media Ministries. For more encouragement and other podcasts, visit ktsy.org. Have an incredible day and go live unveiled.